0: Welcome to Europa-Rama, a podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Are We Europe?, the podcasting family and magazine which collectively asks the question what it means to be European. My name is Giuseppe Porcaro and I am the author of Disco Sour, a novel about Europe and democracy in the age of algorithms. In each episode, I talk to a fellow writer, and together we explore and create a fictional future scenario for the old continent. This is going to be the 13th and last fictional future for the continent, which we will be discussing for this season, and I'm happy to host here in Brussels, Gabriel Richard Mollard. Hi, Gabriel. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you for the invitation. Good afternoon. And Gabriel is an author working and writing from Brussels. And Magna Carta Galactica is his first science fiction novel. But Gabriel is a regular columnist in for the French and German press and he is born in Montpellier and was, has worked in Strasbourg, Berlin, Cologne and Brussels, of course. So a, tru, a truly European. In Magna Carta Galactica, he works about his primary passions, European politics and space discovery. It's not a case that uh, I invited Gabriel to, to discuss... Um, discuss today because we are around the time when we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing so it's not a coincidence that uh, for this last space-time exploration of this first season of europa rama i would like to take all of us in an interplanetary journey and inspired by his book i would like to imagine with gabriel a europe that expands towards the outer space After all, the science-fiction dreams of going to other sky objects started here in Europe. In 1865, Jules Verne wrote From the Heart to the Moon. Even if even Jules Verne, back in his times, imagined that the first bullet to be shot from our planet would have taken place in the United States. So Gabriel, if uh, we'll have to imagine a deep future interplanetary European Union, how this would look like?
1: I want to come back to what you say about Jules Verne and uh, the very fact that um, for Frenchmen from the nineteenth century, the United States were already back in this time um, the dream of a modern country. And um, where are we now? We are in. 2019 and um, do we still have a dream of uh, a modern country or modern continent and my answer is yes well i think uh, the european union can be this modern country or modern continent and in the very case of my book i, I am speaking about a modern country because this is the starting point of um, the prolog i've developed in my book that the european union has developed itself in the very near future in the year 22, 24, to a federation because of catastrophe management. And uh, from that point, um, giving to the European Union the means and the tools as well to develop uh, a very ambitious space program, much more ambitious than the space program we are developing at the moment with the ESA. <clears throat> which is very good, but um, not very sufficient when you consider the uh, the effort, the financial effort uh, the United States did in the 60s to develop uh, the Mercury program and the Apollo program. We are very, very far from it. So, uh, yes, this is this is the starting point and my starting idea. We need to have uh, a common country to be able to develop a new space policy.
0: How this space program would look like and uh, what would entail would entail like colonization of other uh, of other uh, objects in the in the solar solar system, or would it just stay across uh, the the globe as um, as we have seen so far? I mean, despite the efforts that are more or less uh, at the moment only on uh, on paper and uh, on um, on 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 pitches of of Elon Musk to go to go to have a colony Mars.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very nice idea. And, uh, we need to have people like Elon Musk who are truly dreamers. And, uh, that's important to set the course of uh, what we can do next. But, um, my book is a book about arts and fiction. So I don't believe in, uh, inter, uh, space travel or translation or whatsoever. I think, um, that in the next decades, we will have to develop a space policy with, we- which is basically using the technology we are developing at the moment which mean okay well we'll go a little bit more quicker than uh, the Apollo mission to uh, to over celestial object but uh, we'll not be able like to go to uh, Proxima Centauri for example for the next I think 60 70, 100 years because we don't have the technology at the moment so um obviously Elon Musk is right when he says that well uh, Mars Mars is a uh, a good objective of, uh, of uh, space uh, policies we'll be developing. But in my book, I am also talking about um, the satellite of Jupiter, uh, Europe, uh, which is maybe, you know, uh, a very icy moon where um, we have discovered over the last 10 years that it might very well be that an ocean is under this uh, ice uh, sheet or ice uh, crust. And... Um, this is uh, what the, the NASA is developing at the moment. They will send two satellites in the year 22 to go to Europe and to see if uh, the the geyser they have seen from space uh, contain any bacteria or any carbon uh, elements, carbon-based elements. And I think this is something I mean Europe this is almost predestined for for European Union or European Federation to go there. But uh, this is at the moment with the knowledge as we have in the European Union, the best place to find uh, a place or an environment which could contain a condition for for life or for developing life. So I think this is this is where we could go in the next decades. And I'm speaking about decades because the way to uh, Europe is very far, much more further than uh, than Mars itself. But on Mars, the question is how you can sustain life very easily. And as we know there are so many hazards uh, during uh, a space trip that is very or oh, it's not very but it's unlikely that we could develop over a long term a successful mission on Mars with the actual technology we have
0: so let's uh, let's imagine that uh, the European Union has this space program uh, that uh, they are successful in uh, raising the necessary technology and funds and uh, They would, uh, they would send um, not just uh, a small, uh, small mission uh, with robots, but uh, they might want to send people to europa i mean we've been we've been seeing a lot of movies about going to jupiter and the moons of jupiter i mean 2001 space odyssey uh, is is uh, is the first uh, case uh, in 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 time about uh, you know those imaginary that we have about jupiter and uh, and like the 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 new frontier and kind of very uh scary kind of also uh, Im- imagination that there is around uh, space exploration so i could imagine that uh, um at some point in time, maybe in fifty years, or something like that, uh, that would be quite realistic to to have technology. I mean, we have technology already today if we really would like to go It's more about uh, which are the cost benefit which are which are which are the the motivations that will bring us to basically uh, send people over there, which uh, probably will have to dedicate a lifetime to to go and go back or not going back at all so i I wonder. How would you imagine this, this setup? I mean, what would be like the political scenario that would lead us to uh, to take such a decision and uh, what kind of infrastructure or even like political power would we need in order to have such a mission? You just opened the right, uh, the right door, the right box. Um, if we want to do space colonization or
1: space discovery program, we need to have a very good argument. We need to have a very good reason to do so. And um, in my book... Uh, the climate emergency is one of the reasons because we will need, like, to find some place to resettle people because of overpopulation, because of, well, the need for resources, for example, and um, that is very discutable or arguable uh, if uh, to think that a democracy could support such a massive uh, investment. Well, we we do have the experiment with, of the experience of Apollo, and uh, we know now, or we know since long, but uh, that this program was supported because it was part of the Cold War. And what would bring us European to go so far? If um, I mean, we can do already things on Earth, but uh, this is this is the, the the idea and the question I develop in in the prologue of my book to say. Um, well, uh, we have a climate emergency, which has turned to uh, more important than that to a big problem because uh, one nuclear power plant in France has exploded, uh, and the nuclear power plant is very famous for the the people knowing France is Fessenheim, which is uh, which are the two uh, older uh, cores in Europe at the moment. And um, Fessenheim is based itself on a on a very uh, seismic zone, one of the most seismic zone in France. And the idea of the book is um, that this uh, nuclear power plant is uh, there is an accident, there is there is a, a little well, there is an earthquake, um, and so some um, sort of
0: Fukushima Some style. sort of
1: Fukushima, and when they when they build. Uh, Thessenheim in the 70s, they planned the central to resist or to, to withhold uh, an earthquake of 7.3, which is by exima- uh, by uh, approximation the uh, the power of the earthquake in Basel in the year 1473. Mm-hmm. We don't know, back at the, in the time they didn't have yeah, like they the Richter the... scale and so on. But this is what, it was the approximation. But due to the fact that the central of the nuclear power plant was working for 50 years we can think that there are some 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 weakness developing over the years and well the earthquake is coming the central is not uh, keeping up to the to, to the earthquake and uh, we have a fukushima event in uh, western europe and uh, since Fush- um, fessenheim is directly based near to the rhine river we have a contamination of a rural Rhine-Bassin from the Swiss, from Switzerland. Some, some, to
0: somehow Fukushima meets a Yes, yes. In terms and, of um, scenario.
1: And in this context, um, well, the European Union is the only power able to manage the crisis because we can have a coordination of uh, the different national... Um,
0: Right, them. because because the river yeah. uh, flows across different countries, Absolutely. so it has to be coordinated and it has, and to, it be has to be something that uh, cannot be done by one national authority. And not only the so, catastrophe
1: like, management, but all, as well the resettling of every people in this zone, like to send people from Alsace back to, Rome- or to Romania because they cannot live there anymore. And for that you need a central power, you need like a central decision. And this is this is how the European Federation starts with the creation of the European Civil Guard, in charge of his reallocation of people, in charge of like moving the people who doesn't want to, who don't want to to quit, to quit their, their area. And parallel to that, we um, we have something more deeply political because, uh, as we have seen, for example, last year in two thousand eighteen, with uh, a new report from the. EPCC, about the climate, our society are very, uh, very flexible or very uh, resilient. They do evolve. They do react. And what we have seen now with the European election 2019 was this so-called green wave. But the, the so-called green wave is the result of the fears of the population, which are quite understandable. And what happened in, in Magna Carta Galactica is that after this explosion of the central, you have a new category of politicians coming who are green extremists and green tribun, as I would say in France. People using the fears of the people to to exert violence on population, on the European population, the domestic one, but as well on the external population. And I'm meaning here Africa, I'm meaning here Balkan countries, Russian countries, and wanting, for example, a campaign
0: of serialization. Let me interrupt you for a second, because uh, it's very interesting. The conversation is switching from uh, uh, a mission into space and moon landings and Europe landing to actual core political uh, transformation of the society. And uh, I'm very interested in in this concept, because we've been seeing in the past somehow how uh, fears have been played uh, out, fears of Uh, of people and fears uh, in general as uh, a motive for uh, political change that is not necessarily going into a liberal uh, slash uh, democratic progressive progressive kind of directive. And and what is um, extremely interesting in your concept here is that uh, you take uh, some, uh, let's say, political discourse that at the moment is being seen as a very progressive kind of discourse, uh, by all means, and uh, you uh, switch it the other way around and somehow you, you reveal how some of the, f- the playing with the fears could happen at any stage uh, with any kind of political ideology somehow. I mean, this is this is an interesting point that I, I would like to develop a little bit more because basically uh, either it looks like um, some issues are being used just for uh, play with the fear of people in order to seize power to a certain extent or on the other hand it could lead to saying any any kind of political orientation indeed could have a seed for totalitarism. and um, green totalitarism has never been seen, I would say, uh, yet. So that's that's a very original uh, kind of science fiction political premise. So if you could um, continue and t- tell us a little bit more about that, I'm I'm quite interested to to develop that.
1: Well, it's, it's very difficult because um, it's, an, it's it's an idea. I mean, I add, but uh, the the setting indeed. Uh, is quite uh, complex to foresee. I mean, like you said, every political ideas or theory can lead to totalitarianism, but it depends how strong are the democratic institution at the beginning of his development. And, um, I mean, the premise in my book is that we have a catastrophe and we need to act like to respond to the catastrophe. And at the same time, you have this parallel. Uh,
0: so there is a state movement. of exception. This is there a state is, of exception. This, this idea and, uh, of the state of exception, which is enforced like yes, we have been seeing for with using,
1: I mean, using the state of exception to develop truly like a totalitarian, totalitarian uh, system. And I think that might work, but it, it might work as well with every other system. I think about, for example, like all the uh, juntas in Asia would have taken power because they had like to deal with a catastrophic situation. And then sometimes giving the power back, like in, in, in Indonesia lately, it's quite rare, but that happened. True. Um, and we could think,
0: I mean... Well, I mean, we've been seeing also examples in our democracies about uh, the state of exception being enforced upon the population, uh, even in this very moment, I mean, after the terrorist attacks uh, in in France, you have a state of exception in France and uh, you have a lot of civil liberties uh, that used to be granted and even uh, things granted by the Schengen Free Circulation Agreement, which are Currently being challenged and and uh, and somehow becomes the norm and this kind of state of exception that from something that is uh, as a reaction to a specific moment in time where you need to act in order to preserve the population could easily slip into being the, the new the new normal.
1: I think it's uh, it, it would absolutely be unacceptable and uh, most of the thing happening in France are quite unacceptable but. Um if you have a support by the vast majority of the population, as it is uh, at the moment, you can always say, alone in your corner, that that the situation is unacceptable. But this is the situation. And uh, this might happen very well with um, catastrophic development of the climates in Europe. But at some point, people say, okay, well, I just want to leave. I mean, to leave Mm -hmm. the person, with my family, so uh, I don't care if there is a... a military junta or junta like taking power in my country if I will be safe and this is this Maslow pyramid you know, you know the needs of the people first need is food and sheltering. second needs are uh, development and, and so on and so on and uh, this is exactly that I mean if people feel insecure for their life they will accept everything but this is up to the actual political institu- institution to be able to foresee what will happen and to take like all the, all the tools are to develop all the tools in order to prevail for the situation to happen. That's why we need, for example, in terms of European policies, we need a strong and common catastrophic man- catastrophe management system, which we don't have at the moment because we have 27 or 28, as you like, uh, catastrophe uh, services or catastrophe um, management service which is their cooperation.
0: Going back to the space race, if we would uh, be in this kind of situation where a tragic uh, nuclear accident is, uh, has been hitting uh, Europe and uh, there, is, there is clearly an emergency, and you mentioned that there is uh, some state of exception over there, how, how would you feel this? I mean, where would it be the trigger to, to go to Europa in this case?
1: Oh, the trigger will be indeed like to find new lands. To find new lands, to find new spaces where we can develop uh, humankind, and as well like to to collect uh, knowledge and uh, to see if such uh, uh, a voyage is doable or not. Uh, well, in the, in the in my book, there is one element which is not like quite sticking to the reality. This is the the, the knowledge we developed during the war following the explosion of uh, Fessenheim. Mm-hmm. We developed some new technologies. Which is likely when you think about the technological improvement we had in the Second World War, well, why not there in, in the new war? But then these technologies allow us to build a spaceship much more easily directly on Earth and then to bring them into the space. Because this is the limitation we have at the moment. I mean mm. we could already with our actual technology send a mission to Proxima Centauri. Right. But for constructing the vessel would be so expensive because we would have to, to construct it directly in the space and that's why it's not possible but we would construct it here on earth and then find a way to make it levitate or make it go to space that would be easily feasible
0: so uh, to to go a little bit more on a lighter kind of note you know uh, because uh, when we think about space exploration uh, usually we we also think about something that is exciting and uh, and while your scenario sounds quite Gloomy or almost like this topic, you know, because the first thing that you that that comes to my mind, they say, oh yeah, I mean. Uh, man on the moon 50 years ago uh, let's dream about europe uh, conquering the space seems like a, a very nice thing that uh, that that someone would could dream of or like could base on like you know you think about uh, uh, movies from the 80s uh, with this kind of you know kind of light-hearted um, uh, scenario While while what you are picturing here is something that is quite gloomy, and somehow um, m- the motivation indeed is catastrophic, and, uh, and then not only is the motivation, then you also have the death of democracy in order to keep this uh, going.
1: And this is, this is only the prologue.
0: And this is <laughs> only the prologue.
1: <laughs> no, but the, uh, the, the rest is, is, uh, is way more positive. Because um, this team has to go to Europe, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spoil the war Book, but it will not go there. It will not go there directly. So they will have to cope with, um, unexpected elements, um, unexpected situation where, um, these crew composed by European, like totally, like you have Portuguese, German, French. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that was something very important to me to mix as well this diversity we have here, which is a, a huge wealth. And, uh, they will have to cope with you new know, situation, but with a European mindset. And uh, that will show at the end that uh, we European we have very important resources to cope with an expected situation. This is the good message I want to send in my book, that to say the situation might be gloomy. Uh, our democracy might be at risk, but we have the resources in Europe to cope with all kinds of different situations. If we are wise enough to assess them properly and to do our job, and this will be the task of uh, the captain of, of, uh, of the vessel called Coblon, like uh, like the wolf uh, from Jack London. Mm-hmm. And uh, this captain is from uh, Hungary. His name is uh, Charles Odyssey, which means Odysseus in, um, in Hungarian. And uh, Charles Odyssey will have to deal with wholly new situation and with a situation where we actually at the moment don't have any knowledge of. And that's the good thing, that's the traditional aspect of, uh, of the space voyage, and uh, that's not that
0: gloomy. And th- therefore bringing back this kind of hope and this kind of uh, utopian thinking uh, with, mixed with uh, some of the core of what means to be European and what Absolutely. means, like rediscovering what, uh, what is the richness of being European uh, in, in the future, even in such gloomy scenarios. And
1: being able to change uh, things. Exactly. To change things. To exactly. change things.
0: And with this positive note, I would thank you for for this description and for this um, space travelling, I would say. Thank
1: you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Also, close the fictional part of, of Europa-Rama for this season with this kind of message, a message of hope, but a message as well of uh, the possibility of uh, multiplying the um, perspectives and multiplying the, the futures and uh, thinking about, uh, on one hand, how things could develop because of many things, it could be natural catastrophes and whatever, but also keep an eye to uh, what we call the agency, what we call the the human capacity and, and of Europeans to hold in their hands their own future and act uh, in the present in order to basically Trying to shape the kind of future that they want rather than uh, you know being uh, uh, submersed into something that would be uh, apocalyptic uh, fetishism as uh, as someone might say or 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 just being there and and wait for for the end of the world to arrive because there is no alternative and that's very political uh, you know. Uh, kind of discourse, because uh, at the moment al- from a lot of places people might say there is no alternative to the kind of politics that is done, the kind of Europe that is uh, uh, thought. Uh, while bringing back through uh, science fiction one of the idea of, uh, of Europarama has been to bring back the idea that uh, the future can be multiple and also the political choices can be multiple if people act now in a debate and Within the frame of uh, our our democracy, in order to to save it somehow, so that's a little bit my my message. This is not entirely the last episode of Europanama. We are still going to have a bonus uh, a bonus episode uh, next week, in which we are going to. Uh, uh, review a little bit uh, those imaginaries that uh, we've been uh, developing in, um, in those 13 episodes and from those imaginaries uh, get a little bit um, external comments and uh, get a little bit of an analysis about what I was just saying about the use of science fiction in uh, the current political Uh, atmosphere and the current political scene in Europe and in general the use of science fiction for storytelling about Europe. So thank you for listening Europarama and uh, you can check out uh, the other episodes and uh, shows of the Are We Europe podcasting family as well as more detailed information and links in the show notes. Looking forward to the next and last episode until next time, bye bye
1: Yeah. Oh.